0: Welcome to The Way Ministries Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the Book of Job. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.TheWayMinistriesRI.org. Thank you, and have a great day.
1: Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I'd like to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. First and foremost, let's thank our Lord and Savior tonight, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for getting us here safely. Saving us from ourselves. Doing for us what we could never, ever do for ourselves. We're eternally grateful all glory and honor goes to you. I'd like to thank the core of the ministry, one body, many parts as we keep this all together and functioning. If you have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb the group tonight in the meeting? <laughs> thank God full of grace
0: yet, right?
1: <laughs> all right, let's start off with a word of prayer. heavenly father our lord and savior jesus thank you so much for allowing us this opportunity to come before you tonight lord to worship honor and glorify you lord and learn more about your ways lord help us make your ways our ways lord as we crucify our flesh each and every day lord and walk in newness of life in the spirit lord by the power of your spirit father we're grateful for the things you do in our lives and getting us here safely lord and all your generous provisions that you provide to meet our needs each and every day, Lord. Let us see you in everything, Lord, as you, everything you do, you go ahead of us to teach us and to grow us up, Lord, to become more and more like your son, the Lord Jesus, Lord, so we can show the lost and dying world that we really do belong to you, Lord, and we really are changing into your image, Lord. As always, Lord, let us be attentive to your word and put any distractions that the world might try to put into our heads tonight, Lord, clear our minds so we can get a crystal clear message through your word and by your spirit, Lord. We pray for the people that are sick, that you help them, Lord, to touch their lives, reassure them you'll never leave them nor forsake them, and you're with them every step of the way. And we hope tonight, Lord, as we go beyond the four walls of this message, might, someone might find salvation through your word, Lord, as we all need each other to function properly, Lord. And as always, let everyone be led by your spirit tonight, Father, and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' powerful name that I pray. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand and worship the Lord. But he's going to come up and sing.
0: Worthy is the Holy, holy is He.
1: everybody doing tonight all right uh, yeah. good to see everybody tonight a little warm today a little nice and here though right it's nice and cool right yeah. we're blessed i be seeing you, huh? i just want to say a special prayer to our sister joanne and her daughter They might not be feeling well there. Uh, you know, it's having some complications so please keep that family in our prayers lord we lift her up to you lord knowing that she's your one of your children lord and we just pray for healing on that family, Lord, and her, and Lily, and her body, Lord, and we just pray that she gets well soon. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, we are going to start in a new book tonight. I'm very excited about this book. It's a, a very, very inf- informational book that we're going to learn a lot from if we can stay um, focused on it. But first, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter one. <laughs> Before we dive into our new study, Hebrews chapter 1. She got us in verse 5. Let's see what we've got here. I'm going to it. Hebrews. As always, the Holy Spirit will be taking over as I go on to these scriptures. So, try not to let anything distract you and clear your hearts and your minds to receive the message the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight. Amen? Uh, okay. The devil's going to try, try to take you off, to distract you. Hebrews chapter 1. Let's see here. Sometimes technology can be a friend and it can be your enemy too, right? And it's not functioning properly. All right. There we go. That's better. Let's see if we're going to back up a little here. Yeah, let's go to verse 1. We're close enough. <laughs> go to verse 1 of Hebrews. Keep the context there. Jesus Christ is God's son. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Back in the Old Testament, the Lord spoke through the prophets. And now, in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He created the universe. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their name. The son is greater than the angels, for God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus. You are my son, today I have become your father. God also said, I will be his father, and he will be my son. And when he brought his supreme son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. Regarding the angels, he says, He sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with the scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. He also says to the Son, in the beginning, Lord, You laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing. But you are always the same. You will live forever. So our Lord Jesus lives forever. He lives on and on and on. He lives in each and every one of us, He's in our hearts. Let's just finish this. And God never said to any of the angels, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. So we have, believe it or not, you might not see it or sense it, there's always angels around God's children protecting us. That's an awesome thing. There's always angels. And guess what else is always around us? The minions. The demons are always around us too. Trying to fill our minds with discouragement and problems and depression and all these things. And then the other angels are cheering us on. Say, think the right thoughts. Listen to the right voice. Listen to the voice of God. Not the voice of the devil. That big amen here. So we have, we always got these two forces trying to fight each other all the time. We've got the angels trying to cheer you on go forward. And you got the devil trying to take you backwards into the world again and make you miserable. Like like this Christian walk is misery and not joy. As always, the Christian walk in the flesh is misery because it doesn't fulfill the flesh, it fulfills the spirit. But in the spirit, you're full of joy and love and peace and patience and kindness and self-control. The inner joys that you can't get from outward things. amen? But the devil's always trying to get in our head, saying, "You think you're worthy of that? Look what you just said. Look what you just thought." My salvation is not based on what I what I what I see. It's based on what I believe, or my behavior. It never be, it was never based on my performance. If I could if I could work my way to heaven, Jesus didn't have to die. So salvation is a gift. Thank God, right? It's a gift of God. It's a great great thing. All right, let's. Everybody ready? We're going to go into, yeah, we're going into the book of Job. (laughs) I got to lay some groundwork for us. This is an awesome book, you know, it tells us a lot about the Lord and how a lot of us really misunderstand him and we can't really figure him out all the way fully. None of us can. All right, so I'm going to lay some groundwork here before we get started and introduce this book, okay? Trees snap like toothpicks or fly upward, wrenched from the earth, whole rooftops sail away. Cars roll along like toys, houses collapse, and a wall of water obliterates the shore and floods the land. A hurricane cuts and tears, and only solid foundations survive its unbridled fury. But those foundations can be used for rebuilding after the storm. For any building, the foundation is critical. It must be deep enough and solid enough to withstand the weight of the building in other stresses. Our lives are like buildings, and the quality of each one's foundation will determine the quality of the whole. Inferior materials are used, lives crumble when tests come. Job was tested. With a life filled with prestige, possessions, and people, he was suddenly assaulted on every side. Devastated, stripped down to his foundation. But his life had been built on God and he endured. Job, the book, tells the story of Job, the man of God. It is a gripping drama of riches to rags to riches, a theological treatise about suffering and divine sovereignty and a picture of faith that endures. As we read, Job, analyze your life and check your foundation. May you be able to say that when all is gone but God, he is enough. Job was a prosperous farmer living in the land of Uz. He had thousands of sheep, camels, and other livestock, a large family, and many, many servants. Suddenly, Satan came before God, claiming that Job was trusting God only because he was wealthy and everything was going well for him. And thus, the testing of Job's faith began. God allowed Satan to destroy Job's children, servants, livestock, and herders. But Job continued to trust in God. Next, Satan attacked Job physically, okay, covering him with painful sores. Just imagine painful sores. Job's wife told him to curse God and die. Chapter 2, verse 9. Now, you can't go blaming Job's wife for thinking that way because everything got swept out from underneath her her whole family, her children, their livelihood, everything got taken from her. She wasn't as solid as Job was. So she said, curse God and die. But Job suffered in silence. Three of Job's friends, okay, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, came to visit him. (laughs) At first they silently grieved with Job, But when they began to talk and speculate about the reasons for Job's tragedies, they told him that sin had caused his suffering. They told him to confess his sins and turn back to God, but Job maintained his innocence. Automatically they come to a conclusion that Job was doing some secret sin and getting chastened and punished by God. Unable to convince Job of his sin, the three men fell silent in 32 verse 1. At this point, another voice, young Eliehu, right, entered the debate. Although his argument also failed to convince Job, it prepared the way for God to speak. Finally, God spoke out of a mighty storm. Confronted with the great power and majesty of God, Job fell in humble reverence before him, speechless. Remember he said, I already said too much, Lord. Speechless. God rebuked Job's three friends and Job and the drama ended with Job restored to happiness, health, and wealth. It is easy to think that we have all the answers. In reality, Only God knows exactly why events unfold as they do. And we must submit to him as our sovereign. As we read this book, emulate Job, and decide to trust God no matter what happens. Can I get an amen here? So you're gonna understand what happened to Job. Now now you can say, I'm a Christian, say all these tragedies come into your life. Are you gonna say, I'm walking away from God, this isn't fair? Well, you're going to say, I don't know, God, I don't know why this is happening, but you know, I'm just going to trust you. How many Christians would be strong enough to endure something like that and not walk away from God? Thank God that God's not going to test, test us that way, because none of us would probably be able to handle something that tragic so fast. Just imagine your wealth, your health, your family, everything taken from you in a matter of days or hours. But everybody thought they knew why. All of his friends, instead of comforting him, what did they do? They bashed him. They call him a secret sinner. So, what's the point to judge somebody if somebody's going through something? To judge them and say, "Oh, they must be doing something wrong behind somebody's back." That's the flesh, right? No, we're here to build people up and encourage them because any one of us can fall at any given time and we do unto others what you want them to do unto you. The last thing you would want if you were falling and crumbling is somebody to tell you, you get what you get when you do what you do. See what I mean? You're not coming to church enough. You're not reading your Bible enough. You don't have enough faith. has nothing to do with it. God has the answers and we don't. So we say, you know, brother, you know, pain shared is pain lesson. Let's pray about it. And whatever, God, you know, God in his mercy, ask for his mercy and his grace. We don't know why. He chooses to do whatever he wants. He's God and we're not, and he doesn't have to tell us why either. We may not find out till we go home to be with him. But is that reason to walk away from him? That's the question. No, there's no reason to walk away from him. Because even then, even if all that does happen, because we live in a fallen world, it's still better to stick by God's side. So when the storm is over, you will be restored. Because if you don't, if you walk away from God, the storm is never going to be over. Amen. That's right. Alright, let me get some turbo with me, all right? Just <laughs> getting warmed up. This is going to be an interesting study, trust me, because. Everybody thinks that they got God figured out and people figured out. And when we start reading Job, we can't figure none of this out. All we have to do is have faith in God. The things that we can understand, we understand some things are just gonna be by faith. All right, let's look at some of the vital statistics here. The purpose of Job's book is to demonstrate God's sovereignty and the meaning of true faith and to address the question, why do the righteous have to suffer? The author is unknown, but possibly Job. Some have suggested Moses, Solomon, or maybe Elihu. The date written, it was unknown, records events that probably occurred during the time of the patriarchs, approximately to 1800 BC. Okay, the setting is in the land of Uz, probably located northeast of Palestine, near the desert land between Damascus and the Euphrates River. One of the key verses in Job is going to be, then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. God was proud of Job, right? He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And he has maintained his integrity even though you have urged me to harm him without cause. The key people in Job, Job, Eliphaz, the Temnite, Bildad, the Shuhite, Zophar, the Namathite, Elihu, the Buzite, and Job's wife. Boy, some of the names, I don't know. When I did the daily walk, I had to ask God, I don't know, some of these names are like, poof. The Holy Spirit had to help me in that one. Oh my goodness. Some of those names, if anybody is listening to the daily walk knows that I had to go through some of them names. Especially like in Numbers, when they went through the whole bloodline. It was like one after another, after another, son of him, son of that, son of that. Woo, Lord help me. (laughs) Uh (laughs) All right, the special features about the book of Job, is Job was the first of the poetic books in the Hebrew Bible, okay? Some believe it was the first book of the Bible to be written. Some believe that Job was the first book of the Bible, okay? It also gives us insights into the work of Satan, Ezekiel 14.14, okay? The blueprint of this, Job is tested. Job, a wealthy and upright man, lost his possessions, his children, and his health. Job does not understand why he was suffering. Why does God allow his children to suffer? We may not know the answer to that question while we were here on earth, while we are here on earth. In the meantime, we should always be ready for testing in our lives. Always be ready. Believe me, after the blessings come, comes the what? Testings. Before the blessings come, there's always the testings. And always, in any test, the teacher is always silent during the test. You're not going to feel God. You're not going to sense the Holy Spirit. And he's going to test your faith. He said, you're still going to be strong in your faith as you go through these tests and trials. I told you I'd never leave you nor forsake you. And I'm way past any emotion. I am a fact, not an emotion. The book of the Bible is not an emotional book. It is a factual book. And as a mature Christian, we don't go by the emotions. We go by the the facts of the word of God. That's how we mature. If we let our emotions take over, we become what? A mess. We become a mess. I don't feel like doing that. I'm not into this. I'm not feeling it. I don't feel God today. Well, God's not a feeling. God is a fact. God wants to grow us up by our feelings. Just imagine if you are always looking for some feeling to sense, oh, I don't know, I'm not feeling God today. Does that mean he's not with you because you don't feel him? No, you know the facts of the Bible. So he said he's never going to leave me, so forsake me. So he is here. He's telling me to grow up and trust it. He sends his angels out ahead of me. If I go out into the world, I'm on the mission field. If my spiritual tenors are on, he will put somebody in front of me to bring to salvation. If I'm what? Ready, if ready to go to work for him. But if I'm still stuck in myself, you won't see any of that. You'll still be in your own little world Nobody to talk to about the Lord, because what? Because your antennas ain't on, and you're you're still into yourself more than you're into God. Amen here. That's okay, because we all have to grow up out of that. I know as well as I do, I go to work for Jesus every day. I don't know when the opportunity is gonna come to talk to somebody about Jesus, but if I can't talk to somebody about Jesus, the next best thing is to be like him. Be kind and courteous, don't, you know, I represent the Wayne Ministries, I represent Jesus Christ when I'm not here. I represent my brothers and sisters, so I always think of that before I open this big Italian mouth of mine. Because because if I don't, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So I always have to understand it's not about me. I have to what? need self-control while I'm out there, so I represent the church properly. One of the reasons why people don't come to church is because they don't see a difference between the Christians who are in church and the people who aren't. They say, so what's the difference? There should be a big difference. In this world today, people should be able to know that you're not of the world anymore. The way things are out there. You're not in agreement with any of it. You don't participate in any of it. You don't want anything to do with it. You don't talk bad about it. But you don't say anything. You have no opinion about it at all. Whatever the Bible says is what I believe. Sin is sin, and that's what I believe. And you're not going to change that in me. And make me accept, well, the world wants you to accept sin now. See, we're not going to accept it here. We hate the sin, love the sinner, that contaminates people's lives. All right, we ready to dive into this book? All right, let's go to verse 1. There once was a man named Job, who lived in the land of others. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. What's integrity? Job was the same at home. Job was the same when he was in business. Job was the same when he was at the temple. Job was the same wherever he was. It didn't matter. Job was the same when nobody was around. That's what integrity is. And that's what God is working on in each and every one of us, our integrity. You are the same person wherever you go. If the real you is behind closed doors, and then when you come out, you're a different person, you know you still need to grow to have integrity. Say, you know what? I'm not really alone when I'm doing anything if I want to do something that's not good. God's always there. He's in me. I take him with me with everything I can do. So I got my little bracelet that this might might sound a little silly, but it says, what would Jesus do? Let me tell you something. That reminds me a lot of times, what would I do and what would Jesus do are two different things in a situation. It makes me stop and think because my flesh is just as weak as anybody else's out there especially when it wants to get its point across okay any men here the more i try the closer i get on my spiritual journey with the lord the more testing and temptations come my way to try to grow me up even more it keeps pruning me say lord come on man he's up man It says, John, time is short. I got you, you got to get better. Time is short. you got to get more people into the kingdom. they got to see Jesus more than you. That's the way it is. All right. Now, before we go on, as we see calamity and suffering in the book of Job, we must remember that we live in a fallen world. Listen now. We live in a fallen world where good behavior is not always rewarded and bad behavior is not always punished. When we see a notorious criminal prospering or an innocent child in pain, we say that's wrong. And it is wrong. Sin has twisted justice and made our world unpredictable, unfair, and ugly. The book of Job shows a good man suffering for no apparent fault of his own, Sadly, our world is like that. Okay, but Job's story does not end in despair. Through Job's life, we can see that faith in God is justified even when a situation looks hopeless. Faith based on rewards or prosperity is hollow and unstable. I'm only going to honor God if he blesses me and takes care of me. Conditional. To be unshakable, faith must be built on the confidence that God's ultimate purpose will come to pass. As we read the book of Job, we are given insight that the people in the story do not have. We already have insight that they never have. Now listen, Job, the main figure in the book, loses everything he has through no fault of his own, as he struggles to understand why all this is happening to him, we are shown that he is not meant to know the reasons. How many times was he asking God, why, why, why? You no, know, God was silent. He was testing his faith. How many times you go, God, why, why, why is this happening? Why, why, why? And you get no response. He doesn't have to tell you why. Job, has to face life with many of the answers and explanations held back. Only then can his faith fully develop. We must experience life as Job did, one day at a time, and without complete answers to all of life's questions. Will we, like Job, trust God no matter what, or will we give in to the temptation to say that God doesn't really care? Amen here. Verse 2. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. So just imagine all that stuff he had back then. He was like a multimillionaire. Just imagine how he loved God at that point, right? Oh, Jesus, wow, am I getting blessed. Now look at verse 4. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. This is what he would do. He would get up early in the morning... And offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. So Job prayed for his children because he knew that his children didn't have as much integrity as he did. So we always prayed to God for them. Do you pray for your children all the time? Lord, please let them find you. Somehow some way, let them find you because if they don't find you they're going to be lost in this world forever. Let them find you, pray that. Every morning I pray with my wife, the kids that let them find Jesus to come back. Every morning never fails. and all through the day I pray for them to find Jesus. but I ask them when my wife's not with me to do what he has to do to make that happen. and sometimes, Because I'm a man, and I understand sometimes what it takes to get people to come to the Lord. Mothers don't want to see their kids have to suffer that way. You know that. So I have to do that one by myself in the corner. And God knows, you know. Don't pray that, please. Don't pray
0: that, John.
1: I want my kids to find them over a cup of tea.
0: <laughs>
1: well, we're in the bookstore, hey, I just found Jesus. How oh, beautiful. Not in some, you know, tragic circumstance where there was nowhere to look but up. Now, unfortunately, that's really where most people find God, through the brokenness. If there's no brokenness, there's no need for God. So... You know, I have to pray that one sign. Let Lord break them. Break them, Lord, but don't break them too hard. Don't break them as hard as you broke me, Lord. I took enough of the hit for them. Please give them a little bit, not as much as you gave me. I don't think they'll be able to handle what you did to me. <laughs> well, see, when you get a special call, you get a special chastening. If you understand what uh, the Apostle Paul, when he saw what he had to go through, because. God gave him a special task to do. God had to really reveal Jesus Christ to him in the third heaven, because he was gonna be tested and shipwrecked and in prison. So if he didn't really see something, he would have been able, he would have caved in. So God shows anybody that's gonna serve him something spectacular to keep them going, that he doesn't show everybody else. And that's just the way it is. And if it wasn't for that, some of the things that I encountered with the Lord, I probably wouldn't be here myself. The miracles. Okay. Now, before we go on, Job probably lived during the days of the patriarchs, okay? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, before God gave his written law, or appointed priests to be religious leaders. During Job's day, a father was his family's religious leader. Okay? Because there was no priest to instruct him in God's laws. Job acted as the priest and offered sacrifices to God to ask forgiveness for any sins he and his family had committed. So he was like the Levite, because there weren't any yet. There weren't any priests yet. It was before the law. This demonstrated that Job did not consider himself sinless. Job did this out of conviction and love for God, not just because it was his role as head of the house. Do you carry out your spiritual duties because they are expected or spontaneously from a heart of devotion? Job showed deep concern for the spiritual welfare of his children. Fearful that they might have sinned unknowingly, he offered sacrifices to them. Parents today can show the same concern by praying for the children. This means sacrificing time each day to ask God to forgive them to help them grow, to protect them, and to help them please him. Even if some turn away from God when they're older, we must never give up on them. Instead, we should always welcome them home and continue to pray for them. I'll tell you, my mother prayed for me, prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And prayed, and prayed, and prayed, and prayed uh, how many years? I got, you know, God rest his soul, but I got all the books. used to sit in the chair and pray, 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 pray. And that was a woman of faith because I had a brother that was three and a half years old that got killed right in front of her by a car. Just imagine how she must have felt then. I don't know if she might have said, I'm going to curse God and die here. After you lose your son right in front of you, just imagine the tragedy. But she kept her faith and she kept praying. She kept praying. And another blessing is if, if if he didn't die, I wouldn't be born. So God has a way. Plus, I'm going to see him in heaven anyway. So he's already there. Guess what? He escaped all the misery of this world. That's how I see it. Yeah, right. He escaped the misery of this world. He just took him right out of here. That's a blessing. Sometimes I wish that would happen to me. With all the heartache and pain I had to go through. But God had other plans for me. And he's got other plans for you. That's why you're still breathing. Amen? Okay. Let's go to verse 6. Job's first test. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Oh, boy. Okay. Let me say something here. The Bible also speaks elsewhere of the heavenly council where God and the angels plan their activities on earth and where angels are required to give account of themselves. Okay? God created all the angels, both those who serve him and those who rebelled. He has complete power and authority over them. Verse 7. Where have you come from? The Lord asked. Now the Lord's talking to the devil right now. Listen to what he's saying. Satan. The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. So what do you think he's doing right now? He's patrolling America, watching everything going on, saying, yeah, people are worshiping me more than they're worshiping God in this country. Sad. Pray that God keeps his hands over this nation. Because let me tell you something, I don't care how strong an army is, if God wants to defeat this nation, He will have this nation defeated. He will have this nation defeated. (laughs) He said, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Look at verse 8, Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. Just imagine God talking about you like that. Have you noticed my servant John?" He's the greatest one of the. Year. He does all these things. Just, just imagine if you lived the way Job lived. That's the way God was thinking of him. The way he was living. Just imagine that. Or would you hang your head and say, "Well, oh, please don't pick on me." <laughs> don't, don't put it. You know that. Remember that show? This is your life. No, don't, don't put me up there. Not, not yet. I'm not ready for that. I don't have Job's. I don't have enough of Job's integrity. Just imagine if the screen came down, right? And your heart heart opened up and it came up on the screen. Would it be like perfect? Or would it be like, oh boy, I'm going to leave now. (laughs) I'm going to sneak out of here. Thank God that don't happen, right? (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) All right. <laughs> he fears God. Listen, what it says. He's a man of complete integrity. What is a man of complete integrity? He fears God and he stays away from evil. You want to have integrity? Fear God and stay away from evil. Okay. Satan replied to the Lord. Verse 9. Yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. Just imagine how the devil was talking to God, right? The accuser. Accuse you to your face. Now listen. In verse 11, Satan attacked Job's motives. Saying that Job was blameless and had integrity only because only because he had no reason to turn against God. Okay? It seemed that because Job was following God, everything was going well for him. Satan wanted to prove that Job's worshiped God not out of love, but because God had given him so much. Okay, Satan accurately analyzed why many people trust God. They are fair-weathered believers, following God only when everything is going well or for what they can get. Adversity destroys this superficial faith. But adversity strengthens real faith by causing believers to dig their roots deeper into God in order to withstand all the storms. How deep does your faith go? Put the roots of your faith down deep into God so you can withstand any storm you may face. How about a big amen there? Let your message in Colossians. Let your roots grow down deep into Him, and let your life be built on Him. So when the storm comes, that foundation is not shaking. You're built on the rock, Christ, the solid rock. I stand. All other ground is you depend on the world. It will sink and fail you eventually. Okay. Look at verse 12. No, God didn't have to say all right to this. He he could have said, Devil, get behind me. That's not his. Because God knows. God knew Job's heart. God knew Job's heart, but he had to make a point to the devil because the devil didn't know Job's heart. Look what he says. All right, you may test him. The Lord said to Satan, do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Oof. Okay. There's a lot to glean here, so I'm not going to go on. Listen now. From this conversation, we learn a great deal about Satan. Number one, he's accountable to God. He has to ask God. Right? All angelic beings, good and evil, are compelled to present themselves before God. God knew that Satan was intent on attacking Job. Number two, Satan could be at only one place at a time. He can't be everywhere all at once like the Sovereign Lord. So he only goes after one, right? But Satan has his what? Minions that he sends out just like the other fallen angels. Just like we have angels around us. Satan has fallen angels that go out and do the same thing and spread evil like cancer. It's the same idea. Okay, now listen. His demons aid him in his work, but as a created being... He is limited. Three, Satan cannot see into our minds or foretell the future either. That's why I say a lot of times when you pray, sometimes don't pray out loud because the Satan can't hear your prayers that' silent. He can hear the ones that you say out loud. they get any men here. So you' got to be careful now because once you say it, now, the devil can listen to it. But when you're praying silently to God about specific things, Satan can't hear you. Can I get an amen? You know why? Because if you pray out loud, Satan can do something to attack it and then let the prayer get hindered. What did he do in Daniel? Right? The prince of Persia stopped him from what? Getting the message across. Think about that now. Can I get an amen here? It says it right here. This is, this is a fact. Satan cannot see into our minds to of the future. If he could, he would have known that Job would not break under pressure. See, if he knew that Job wouldn't break, he wouldn't have to say if he'll surely, if you take everything from him, he'll curse God and die. He didn't know if he could or not. So then he didn't know his heart. So he couldn't see into Job. Thank God for that. Number four, because Satan can do nothing without God's permission, God's people can overcome his attack through God's power. Number five, God puts limitation on what Satan can do. Satan's responses to the Lord's question tells us that Satan is real and active on earth. Knowing this about Satan should cause us to remain close to the one who was greater than Satan God himself. You amen here. okay. The conversation between God and Satan teaches us an important fact about God. He is fully aware of every attempt by Satan to bring suffering and difficulty upon us. Okay? While God may allow us to suffer for reasons beyond our understanding, he is never caught by surprise by our troubles and is always
0: compassionate.
1: Thank you, Jesus. Right? All right, verse 13. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with his news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned upon your sheep and all the shepherds. All the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. The fire of God was likely a poetic way of describing lightning. Okay? The saying that they got killed by lightning. Okay? In this case, it had to be unusually powerful to kill 7,000 sheep. 17. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. All right, the Sabaeans were from the southwest of Arabia, okay, while the Chaldeans were from the region north of the Persian Gulf. Verse 18. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed, and all your children are dead. Oh my goodness. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. If all that happened to you, would any of us be blaming God? something. <laughs> What's going on here? I've been serving you all this. I've been following you. Now Job was following the Lord. It wasn't like he was being... There was no apparent reason why that would happen. So you can imagine what was going on in Job's head. But he understood one thing. That God was in control and he gives and he takes away. At any given time God could take anything from us and we should be able to walk. Accept it. God gave it to me for a season, I'm going to have to accept that and thank God for it and move on. Again, amen here. Now, before we close, Job did not hide his overwhelming grief. He didn't hide it. He had not lost his faith in God. Instead, his emotions showed that he was human and that he loved his family. God created our emotions and it is not sinful and inappropriate to express them as Job did. We're human. If you have experienced a deep loss, disappointment, or heartbreak, admit your feelings to yourself, to God, and to others, and grieve. It's okay to grieve. Job had lost his possessions and children in this first of Satan's tests. But he reacted rightly towards God by acknowledging God's sovereign authority over everything God had given him. Satan lost his first round. Job passed the test and proved that people can love God for who He is, not for what He gives them. How about an amen there? All right, we're going to close there. We'll pick up this when we get back together. We're we'll going to chapter two. Dave, you want to come up and close this in prayer?
0: Lord, I just pray that our faith would be unshakable like Job's, Lord, and anchored in your word, Lord.
1: For you are the only foundation, Lord, and your word will remain true always, forever, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for anyone out there who might be sick, not feeling well, or just might be going through anything, Lord, that you would touch their hearts, Lord. Reassure them that you're never going to leave them, nor forsake them, Lord, and that you're with them always. And I pray pray this in your holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right. We're going to watch a video, and we're going to close.